First of all, I just want to say thank you to leadership here and the way that you guys have loved us and uh, pursued us in so many ways. Uh, it's been, it's been a, a place of comfort and healing for us um, over the last year. So I'm going to get past the emotional part so I can preach <laughs> and get this thing going. Um, but seriously, this has, been a, this has been a fun place for us just to come and be and not have to... Um, I, Hear my heart when I say this, uh, after 14, 15 years of ministry and it abruptly stopping vocationally, ministry doesn't stop, um, it was nice to come to a place and feel like I could just be here um, and just soak it in and just let the Lord heal and move in my heart and my family's heart, and so it's been, it's been really good. Um, yeah, uh, and I love, I love the words that were spoken today, even during worship, because I believe it's, it goes right along with what the Lord has put in my heart to share today, uh, talking about obedience, and uh, we're going to get into it, and I'm going to read a, a passage of scripture today that is pretty well known. Most of you, if you've been in church for any amount of time, even if you were just in Bible school or like, uh, or Bible, you know, let Bible studies when you were younger, like you're going to have heard this story probably. Um, but I'm really believing that the Lord wants to give fresh revelation and insight um, to, to what he wants to do, right? And I'm believing that the Lord wants to minister over you as well, no matter where you are in life. Come on, if you want that, can you say yes? And so as we dive into the word, I also want to be pretty transparent about uh, some of the things that I've gone through, that my family's gone through over the last 16, 17 months, and what the Lord has been doing in our heart and our life during that time. And so bear with me if I get there and I just have to pause for a second. Um, has, has the Lord ever uh, called you to obey him to do something really difficult? Come on, have you been there before? Come on, raise your hand if you've been there. The Lord said, this is what I'm calling you to do. I want you to obey me, right? I want you to trust me, but just know it might be a little difficult. It might be hard. We've all been there, right? And this has been a thrilling season of life where the Lord has called us to do some really tough things, right, and how his, his hand was with us, like his voice was speaking to us, but it wasn't very thrilling all the time, right, it wasn't fun, there was some difficult situations to face, and some of you have been there as well, but I remember the, the as really over the last 16, 17 months, the thing he's really challenged me with, the question that he's challenged me with the most has been this, the thing that he's has been whispering over me is this, do you trust me enough to obey when I call? Do you trust me enough to obey when I call? Let's pray real quick. Holy Spirit, you are here, you are moving on every heart and every mind. And so Lord, I just pray that my words would be honorable today, that my words would be straight from your mouth, Jesus. I pray that you would penetrate hearts today, God, that you would break through the fear, that you would break through the doubt, God, that you would break through the hurt today, God, to let people see your face. That your goodness, that your face would be so evident today, God, that nothing, no other distraction, that no other barrier could, could keep us from seeing who you really are. That today, that every person that walks into this building, that leaves this place, would know that you are good that you are faithful, that you are, have this unconditional love that is always after us. Father, thank you for your passion for your people. And Lord, I pray that it would be evident today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning I'm going to read from uh, 
a book of the Bible um, that you've probably read. It's not super long, but it's the book of Daniel, and I'm going to go to to chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, Daniel chapter 3 in the Old Testament. As I mentioned before, this is a story that is pretty well known, but how many of you have ever read a passage of scripture like 50 times, 100 times, and when you read it that 50th time, the Lord highlights or it pops something new in your spirit, right? Like you're like, I've read this my entire life, but it's not until this moment because of the season I'm walking through that you begin to highlight something very specific that I've just kind of read past my entire life, right? You've been there before where the Lord gives fresh words, right? Because we know that God gives fresh words, right? This is not just a, a Bible that's 2,000 years old or more, and it's just like, ah, it's just the same thing. No, it's, it's ever changing. It's speaking to us. The Lord is speaking to us every single day and revealing new things to us. And so I'm going to read in Daniel chapter 3, but before I do that, I want to kind of give a little bit of context of what's happening before we get into the Scripture. Are you all okay with Scriptures? Because I've got quite a few this morning. That's good. That's a, that's a good thing for a church to love Scripture. So what's happening in Daniel, in the book of Daniel, is that that the Israelites have been exiled from their homeland, from their promised land. They've been ripped from their cities, they've been ripped from their towns, and they're brought into the kingdom of Babylon, right? It's a kingdom and a culture that is not like theirs. It's a kingdom and a culture that is not worshiping the one true God that they knew, that they know, and that they worship. And so you've got all these Israelite people who are exiled into this nation, into this people and people group, and they are forced to serve among their government. They're forced to serve in slavery. These, these, these guys that we're going to talk about today were forced to actually be government officials. Like, even in a foreign nation, the Lord put them in high places, right? Because influence was going to come from that place. But you see that these Israelites, these God-fearing people, were placed in a culture that was not God-fearing. And they still had to live and to work and to allow the Lord to move in their heart. And you've got this king by the name of, anybody know? Nebuchadnezzar, right? We've learned that when you were younger, if you were in Sunday school. King Nebuchadnezzar, a a king that, it's a really weird life as you read about it. It's like he he sees the goodness of God and then he turns to his own pride and then he sees it again. And then all of a sudden he's back prideful and looking at his own strength again. And so you've got this, this evil king ruling over this evil kingdom and this nation but you've got God's people right in the midst of there. So you've got darkness, but you've got just pops of light everywhere, just showing who they really are. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, in his pride, decides he's going to build a 90-foot tall statue made of gold, and he's going to place it in this big open field, and he's going to invite all the people to come and get around it. And the the worship was going to start, the music was going to start, and he basically made this decree When the worship starts, when the music starts, I need everyone in this nation, whether you're Babylonians, whether you're Israelites, whether you're foreigners from some other nation, you must bow down to that statue. And many scholars believe that that statue was a representation of his his kingdom, his pride. It was a statue of his strength as a king, and it was him saying, this kingdom will never end. The funny thing is, is in Daniel 2... Right before this chapter, and we don't know how long before this was, Daniel 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream that this kingdom will be built so tall and great and it will crumble as well and that God's kingdom will reign. I don't know if he just like forgot about that dream 
or what, but he's like, I'm just going to, maybe it was him just saying, I'm going to show God what I really got. I'm going to show him my strength. I'm going to show him my pride. So he, they resurrect this, this statue of gold, and they want everyone to bow down to it. And this is where we pick up in verse 8. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed, informed them on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued, uh, you issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments. The decree also states that those who refuse to obey you must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. I want to stop there just for a moment. I want you to, I want you to close your eyes just for a second. I want you to kind of put yourself in this time frame, in this situation. The decree has been now put in place by King Nebuchadnezzar. There is a, there is a decree, decree out there that, that this idol is going to be built and you are going to gather around it. The masses are gathering around this thing. Thousands of people, thousands of governmental leaders have converged there. And the music begins. And I want you to picture these thousands of people of all nations, of all origins are coming and they're bowing down before this statue, this, this object of pride, this object of ungodliness, except three men don't bow down. I want you in your mind just to picture thousands of people or millions of people gather around an idol, and they're all bowing down, and you just got these three audacious, bold men that say, no, nah, I'm not bowing. I refuse to do that. I refuse to disobey what God told me and that I may not worship another idol or another God. Come on, you can open your eyes. But I want you to just get this picture of these three men standing among a large crowd and just being like, this is awkward, right? Like, have you ever been in a large, like, I, I don't, I'm trying to picture a scenario, but uh, even in worship, have you ever been singing or maybe at a concert and you're singing really loud and all of a sudden the music stops and you're like, and it's just your voice, and everyone's like, what was that? Like, in youth group, we've done that many a times where there's just, like, one kid that's just singing their guts out, and all of a sudden, like, something happens, and then the attention is turned to them. I I'm just imagining these three young men among this massive crowd. Everyone's bowing down on their face, and these three guys are just standing there like, hey, guys, I'm not going to do it, Right? Now, a little side note here, and this is not necessarily part of my message, but I really felt like the Lord wanted me to, uh, to share this. These weren't the original names of these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We, we use those names because Scripture talks about it a lot and uses it with them. But their God-given names, their names in Israel were actually Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's who they really were. That's, that's the God-given names that they, were, that they had in their promised land and as people that feared God, as people that worshiped God. And I really felt like the Lord wanted me to just simply say this. I think there's a lot of times that we let the enemy, we let culture that we're in, the foreign nation that we're in, like you know that we're foreigners in this world, right? Like we are in a dark place, but we are people of the light. As he was talking about, the, the darkness is always trying to draw us in, but we are people of the light. Their God-given names were different 
The, the Babylonians, the enemies actually gave them those three names. And I think a lot of times we will walk around in this world being defeated by the enemy and being pulled in by darkness and say, well, I'm just depressed. I'm just sad. I'm addicted. I can't get past it. Can I tell you that's not your name? Your name is not depressed. Your name is not addicted. Your name is not anxiety and stress. That is not who you have been called to be. You're of the light. You are not of that kingdom. You're called into a greater kingdom, and God has given you a name. Your name is son. Your name is daughter of a good father and a good king. Come on, so if you walked in here today in captivity to something, and you've been walking with that label that culture has put on you, or maybe you've put on yourself because you doubt yourself, can I just say, like, right now, can we just release that a new name is being brought over you? That the original name the Lord had for you is being placed on your life again. It's being resurrected. That's not who you are. You are people. We are people of the light. And you don't have to bow down and take the name that the enemy gives you or culture has put on you. Or that your past has put on you. That your current struggles are putting on you. Walk out of here today free and know that you are called to a greater name. Done with that little rant. For the sake of the scriptures, though, I'm just going to call them what it is right here. When I, when I talk about their names, I'm just going to call it what it is in here because I will probably get confused. But these three men must have known that they were going to get discovered. They must have known when the music started, they're like, what am I going to do? Like, God, I've obeyed you my entire life. I know the Ten Commandments. I know that I must not bow down or worship another idol or another God. God, I, I don't want to do that. But the music's about to start, and I know that there is a consequence to me not bowing. I know that there's a consequence to me not bowing. And how many times have you felt like the Lord has called you to do something, but you didn't know the full picture, right? You didn't really know what it was going to turn out to be. You didn't know the outcome. Have you been there before? Like you felt like the Lord just said, I need you to do this. And you're like, yeah, why don't you just tell me the outcome first? Why don't you tell me where we're going, God? And throughout the whole scriptures, in the Old Testament, we see that, that Abram, who turns into Abraham, is called away from his homeland. The Bible does not say that, that God called Abram to go to a certain location. The Bible actually says to, to, uh, that God says to Abraham, I need you to leave your homeland, your comfort zone, and I need you to go to the place that I will show you, not that I have shown you. So Abraham has to leave his comfort, has to leave what, what he's built in his entire family and say, let's go, we're going somewhere, and God's going to tell us on the way. It's basically blind obedience, right? That I'm going to step out not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing the outcome. And we see it in the New Testament as well with Peter in the boat. And Jesus is walking on the water and says, come on, son, let's go. Your natural tendency would be like, that's water, I, I sink, I die, right? Peter kind of had to step out of the boat and say, I don't really know what's about to happen, but I'm just going to go ahead and step and be obedient and see what the Lord does in the middle of that, right? I think a lot of times when the Lord is calling you to be obedient, he's calling you blindly. He's kind of saying, he knows the outcome, but he's saying, I don't need you to see everything. That's kind of what faith is all about, right? It's not being in control of the outcome, not being in control of everything 
that's coming. It's saying, God, I, I trust you enough to believe that. When I was uh, 17 years old, and, and some of you, especially if you've been, I'll take that. Oh, we got a little fuzz. Thank you. That is a true friend. Come on, have you ever had those friends where you sit with for hours and then you go to the bathroom and like, cool, thanks for telling me there was something on my nose, right? I've been there before. Thank you. Love you, Robert. Um, when I was 17 years old, and if you've, uh, there's some students here, and I, first of all, I love seeing students here um, from our time in youth ministry. It, love it. Um, when I was 17 years old, uh, I was one month away from going to college, and uh, this was July, God, almost 20 years ago. That's crazy. Um, and uh, I was not serving the Lord at all. I, I went to youth group, and I kind of played the religious game. I did, I, I did my, my religious duty in that way, but um, I was not close to Jesus at all, and I, I didn't know his heart. And um, I was one month away from going to Texas Tech, so you got the jersey representing today, Mahomes. Um, and I was going to Texas Tech for all the wrong reasons. Um, I had a group of friends going to Texas Tech. I was ready to go and just live life and be away from my family and the drama. And uh, I didn't really have a direction. I was just like, let's just go and just see, just see how much fun we can have. And at 17 years old in July of, of 2003, on a, just a normal Sunday morning where I felt like the church was pretty dead, uh, the Lord showed up in, in a huge way. And I mean, I can picture it today. I can, I, I know exactly where I was sitting. I know exactly what I felt in my heart. Um, but the Lord just, just moved in my, my life. And I remember for hours just being at the altar, even, even after the service ended, um, there were people just everywhere and the Lord was moving. It was a revival in our church. And I remember just laying on the floor and it was, the Lord was saying, yeah, Texas Tech isn't in the cards for you, buddy. Um, and of course, I'm like, Got all my, I got my dorm, I got my roommates, I've got everything lined up, I've got my classes set, I've got everything. And the Lord was like, no, Texas Tech is not for you because I've got something better for you right here. I need you to stay in this environment. Um, and that's what I did. I blindly obeyed. I just didn't know what I, I had no idea. So I had to hurry and get, get registered for the college in, in my hometown there because I knew that I needed to stay in the river, Right. I knew that I needed to stay in the flow of what God was doing. I had never seen anything like that before, and I knew that I could not leave it. I had to be there. And so that was a moment in my life where I blindly just had to follow what God was saying, even though that was probably the first time I'd really heard God's voice. It was so distinct. It was so real. It was so evident that I was like, there's something that I'm hearing right now that I've never heard. There's there's a father's love that I'm hearing in my heart that I've never felt and I've never heard, and I've got to obey right now. That's what I've got to do. I think sometimes we've been there, right? You're obeying blindly. Moving on in verse 13. Then King Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately, everyone say immediately, into a blazing furnace. 
and then what God will be and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power. There's that pride. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, I love this part. I want you to just picture three young men. They were probably teenagers or in their 20s, standing up to this, this king that has so much power, and they say this, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it really clear to you, your majesty. It's, that's kind of a funny that they're being so blunt and then they're like, your majesty. I want to make it really clear that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Ah, I love the audacity here. I love the fiery passion, right? I love the fact that they were be able to stand and know that their obedience to God was a greater act of worship than any defiance to the king. Like, their, their, their worship to God, their obedience to God had more power than anything the king could ever do to them. Are you with me? Their love and their trust in God, knowing what he had said to them and knowing what he had done in their life, was so much greater when it came to making a decision like, should I bow before an idol or should I stand and be the only one out of thousands? Come on, can I tell you this morning, the reason that I believe that they had that audacity, that they had that boldness, is because they had seen the face of God before. They had seen his goodness. They had seen his faithfulness. They had heard the stories of the Red Sea parting. They had heard that millions of their, their own people had been delivered from slavery. They had seen the miracles. They had history with God. Can I tell you, friends, you have history with God. And so if, is there something that the Lord has been calling you for maybe years and saying, I need you to do this. I need you to step in. I need you to step into the river because I've got something deeper for you. I've got something bigger for you. And for some reason, whether it be our pride, whether it be our fear, whether it be our unmet expectations or our hurt, our brokenness because we've, we've tried to trust before and we've gotten hurt. Can I tell you that God's never hurt you? God's never hurt me. People do. The church doesn't hurt people, but people do. So our brokenness and our hurt that we've experienced before does not show the face of God. You have history with Jesus. Your history should be the very thing that propels you into obedience all the time. Knowing that God has always been good and he's always been faithful and he's never, ever going to let you down. Come on, do you really believe that? It's our history with him that allows us to make choices that he's called us to make despite consequences. Despite the outcome, no matter what. We have history with Jesus. Moving on, verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to, uh, to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the bla blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. 
But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we just tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. How quickly he changed his tune, right? Come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officials and officers, governors, and advisors crowded around. Everyone say crowded around. They crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. And their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Pretty crazy story, right? A story that we've all heard. A story that we've probably glossed over for so many years because we know it like the back of our hand, right? But can, can we just for a moment, can we just look at this story and look at the implications of what it means for us today, right? Uh, in a couple ways. First of all, God is with us, and we'll get to that. But I want you to understand that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their reward for being obedient to God was a furnace. I think sometimes we're like, oh, we're going to be obedient to God and God's going to bless me, right? Like, it's going to be happiness, it's going to be rainbow, like we are good to go. My life is going to be perfect as soon as I step into the river, as soon as I step into the yes of God, like the obedience that he's called me to, the plan of God, guess what's going to happen? Sometimes you're going to walk yourself right into a furnace. Sometimes obedience looks like walking through a fire. That's what, what obedience to God is sometimes. Let, let's talk to the disciples that all walked in obedience and all got killed for their faith. Now, now we don't walk in persecution in America, like not real persecution at all. But there are people, there are real Christians, Christ followers throughout the world right now that are living out their faith and dying for that same faith right now. We have freedom here. But I think oftentimes we take advantage of that and we just kind of gloss right over that. Obedience doesn't always translate to happiness. You know, over the last 16 months for me, it's just been, it's been weird. It's been weird how the Lord has moved and, um, and taught me so many lessons. He's, uh, he's allowed uh, the situations that I've dealt with, the, the fires that we've walked through, and there's a lot of people in this room that have walked through the similar fire but here's the deal, through that fire, the Lord has been with me, and he has been, he's been ripping pride from my life. He has been humbling me. Can I just tell you that I went from 14 years of youth ministry of just like, we're just going hard after it and passionate, to abruptly stopping within just one week and being like, all right, what do I, what do, I do now? And the Lord's like, well, I gave you another job. It's called a roof salesman, and that's what I want you to do right now. Can I tell you, going from youth ministry and just pouring your heart out and investing in students to all of a sudden being like, oh, i got to make a living by going and knocking on people's door and bothering them, right? Like, I don't even like answering my own door, and I'm now going to their door, and, and I'm walking up to their door going, oh, Lord, please just let it be a delightful conversation. Can I tell you the easiest way to rid pride and, and bring humility to your life? Like, if you want that, if you have a pride issue, then I challenge you today when you go home, go get some work clothes on, 
and just go to a random neighborhood. In fact, why don't you go to a gated community? That's a really good one. And go knock on someone's door and say, hey, I'm just here to inspect your roof. When's the last time you got your roof inspected? You will lose pride really quick because you get rejected a lot. I'm just telling you. Like, dude, I'm just, I just want to give you a free inspection. That's all I want to do. I, in fact, I got an HEB gift card right here for you. You don't have to do a single thing. Get off my property. I'm like, do you need me to call the cops? I'm like, no, sir, you, you don't need to do that. I will walk myself to my truck right now. I'm just telling you, this season has been really weird, right, of, like, the Lord teaching me little lessons within that job of, like, whew, I need to trust in you. Like, when I go, seriously, when I get in my truck and go to a neighborhood, I'm just, Holy Spirit, would you just speak through me? I don't even care if I get an inspection. I just don't want to get yelled at, right? And, and the Lord is, like, teaching me things of, like, ah, the, the, the criticism of man can't hurt you. I mean, these are serious conversations I have with myself in the car, in the truck, when I get rejected over and over and over. is like, ah, the criticism of, of men don't affect me anymore like they used to. Thank you, Lord, for teaching me this lesson through this fire or, or teaching me this lesson through this season of my life. But it's been hard. I'm not even talking about the job. Everyone works a job. It's, it's, it's just a job, right? So no, please, no pity on me there. I'm saying there's been a lot of people that have gone through some fires here in this community over the last year. And there's real grief there. There's real mourning and loss for what could have been or what was there. There really, there's, there's, for me, the thing that I've grieved the most is, am I really even supposed to do ministry full time? Because, man, it's so messy, and I just don't even want to be a part of it. And it's the Lord reminding me, oh, son, I've called you to more. Don't give up. Don't, don't, don't let one situation that was hard derail you, because here I am, I am, I am walking through the fire with you. I am showing up in your mess, just like a good father would do when their children get in a mess. A good father wouldn't be like, oh man, I'm sorry, I'm just going to watch from the sidelines and, and cheer you on and hopefully you get past it. A good father would step into the fire with their kids and say, I'm going to get muddy with you, I'm going to get messy with you, I'm going to get burnt a little bit with you if that's what it takes. We're going to get you through the fire. You see, what happened in this situation is God did not deliver them from the fire. God delivered them through the fire. You need to understand that. Then when fire comes in your life, when trials hit, God is not going to pluck you out of that so quick. No, God's going to actually step into that place with you and say, hey, I'm going to unbound you. I'm going to unbind you, and we're going to walk through this thing together. And I promise you, if you trust in me, if you really believe, if you hold my hand through this thing, you're not going to be burnt. You're not even going to smell of smoke. That situation that you were put in, maybe not even on your own terms, maybe you were thrown into that, that fire in that situation. When you get out of it, you're not even going to remember what it smells like. There's some people in here that have been through some stuff over the last year. I'm telling you, as the Lord brings you out of it, you're not even going to remember what it was like because he's so faithful and so good. You're just going to be able to focus on his face. You're going to be able to see his goodness and his faithfulness. And he's right in front of us, just waiting for us. Isaiah 43, 2 says this, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. See, I believe it's oftentimes in our trials, in our rough situations, 
in the, in the places that we've been obedient and it's been a hard time because of it, that that's when the Lord is most visible. We see that the fourth man appears in the fire and they say it looks like the Son of God. Can I tell you, friends, that when you're going through hard times, I believe those are the times where you see Jesus more visible in your life than even the times that you're just cruising through life. Come on, can you... Do you believe that? Have you seen that in your own life, that when hard times are happening, yeah, it may feel like the flames are getting hotter and that you're about to burn, but that's when the Lord is most evident in your life because he's standing right beside you saying, don't give up. I'm right here with you. I'm not going to leave you. But here's the really cool part, and I, I made you repeat a word back to me when we were reading because I want you to understand that when they first started and this statue was being, being erected into this field, it says all the government people, all the people gathered around, thousands of people gathered around this statue. They converged around this statue, and they were all bowing down. But then the Bible says that when they were pulled from the fire, and they were unharmed, it says that everyone surrounded them. I want you to see what's happening here. It goes from everyone surrounding an idol, a false god, a pride issue, to all of a sudden God's miracle happening, and everyone's gathered around this miracle now. Can you see what's happening as you go through hard times in life? When, when you walk those things out with the Lord and you do it with integrity, you do it with character, what's going to happen is everyone's focus is going to shift from that, that idol and it's going to shift to what the Lord has done. Come on, can you see this? That when you go through hard times, the Lord is visible in your life to everyone else as well. That health diagnosis that you're having to walk out, if you walk it out with faith and trust in the Lord, people are going to look at you and be like, whew, there's something on that person. There's a fourth man in that fire, right? Jesus is good to them. There's something happening. The Lord moves within us. Psalm 56, 8, band, you can come back up. David writes this about God. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Can I tell you this, friends, that God is compassionate. He's empathetic. He's not just distant and watching our hard times when we step out in obedience and the outcome is maybe not what we thought it was going to be. Can I tell you that God's standing there with you and he's collecting every tear of yours. That he is a loving, good father that has called you to more. That he is calling us to step into something, no matter what you've been through. Whether it be a loss of a business, whether it be a, a loss of a friend, whether it be a loss of your purpose, whether that be an addiction that has grabbed hold of you, whether that be an insecurity that you're facing that you just can't fight on your own. Can I tell you that God has seen all the heartache, he has seen all the tears, he has seen every every night that you have not slept because you are stressed out. I'm telling you, the, the Lord has recorded every one of those moments and he's standing right beside you and said, I've never left you. I've been with you the whole time. I have been walking you through the fire. In fact, if you're out of the fire, it wasn't your own ability and power that got you out. It was my hand. It was my faithfulness that has brought you from those flames and you are unharmed. And you were able to walk into the next level of obedience because you saw what I brought you through there. And it doesn't matter what you're going to go through over there. Because I'm still going to you, bring you forth. I'm going to bring you out. 
What I want to leave you with today is simply this. Your obedience to God reveals your trust in God. Your obedience, the level to which you obey the Lord and what he's called you to do, is the thing that reveals your trust and your dependency on him. Because if you truly trust someone, come on, we know this. If you can trust someone with your entire life, if they ask you to do something, you're in. Right? Because you know that they've got your back. You know that they're going to take care of you. That they would never do anything to harm you. When you really trust someone, if they ask you to do something, you'll go 100% right now. Don't even have to ask questions. And I think there's some times, and I've been there, been there a lot this last year, where the Lord has been calling me to do something. He's been calling me to step out. He's been calling me and challenging me. And I've had to really ask the question, do I really trust you, God, because that was hard? Do I really trust you, God, because I didn't think it was going to turn out like that, because I saw the potential of what it could have been, Lord. And I feel like the Lord is just saying, trust me, son. Trust me, and then you can do anything. I'll, I'm going to bring you places. Put your dependency on me. You saw my two crazy kids up here, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, and if you have kids, you, you, you know that kids don't obey very well, right? <laughs> They're not very good at it. But when they do, like the two times out of ten that they do obey, uh, for my kids, I feel like it's either the, the crazy look in my wife's face that they're like, okay, I better do something. I better do this thing. Or it's that they trust us enough to believe that we're, we've got them. You know, when my, when my one-year-old girl comes up to me and she's doing this and she's doing this, it means she wants me to throw her up in the air. She's, she trusts me that I'm not going to let her fall, right? That I'm not going to throw her and then just walk off. Like, she trusts me enough, and so she's willing to just do anything, right? She's willing to obey me. She's willing to do what I've asked her to do or, or just play with me in that way because she has a trust in her dad, right? When we trust our father, we're able to really walk out the calling that he's called us to. And so I just want to end with this. I, I, for anyone in this room that maybe the Lord has been calling you out to do something, Maybe it's start a business, maybe it's start a ministry, maybe it's serve in a ministry, maybe it's just, maybe it's to do a different job, maybe it's to restore a relationship. That's a big one that I felt like the Lord highlighted to me this morning. There are some people in here that you need to restore relationships with, that you need to go out of your way and say, I'm going to be obedient, and I don't, I have no clue what the outcome is going to be, but I'm going to step in to what the Lord's called me. Because can I tell you in John 15, he says, obey my commandments you know what his commandment was? Love one another. And I love what he says after that. When you obey my commandments and you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things that you might be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Can I tell you, when you step into the river of God, when you step into obeying him because you trust him, he's... You may go through hard situations, you may walk through the fire, but you can walk through the fire being filled up with his joy. It doesn't say just about your joy, it says my joy will fill you. The Lord's joy, not, not our earthly joy that we have to conjure up. The joy of the Lord is our what? Is our strength. It's the very thing that fills us and strengthen us, strengthens us to get through hard times. 
Do we trust him? What is the Lord calling you to step into? What has the Lord been whispering in your ear for maybe years that you've had delayed obedience, which is disobedience, right? That you haven't stepped into. I want to challenge you today to search your heart, to search the, the, the heart of God for your life. What are those areas that he's calling you to obey? Can we step into that? But here's what I want us to do. I want you to uh, close your eyes just for a moment. Before we step into a time of prayer, I want us to go back into just a few moments of worship. And here's, here's what I've learned about the Lord. Is that no hard situation, no difficult choice of obedience is really that difficult or hard when you can see the face of God. When you can really see the Father's love over your life, like I did when I was 17, and it shifted my entire life forever. There's nothing too hard when you see the true face of Jesus and the way that he loves you. So I'm going to pray over you, and then we're going to worship for a few more moments, and then we're going to spend some time praying over some needs. But can you, just, can you just lift up your hands to the Lord right now, just right in your seat? Father, we want to see your face this morning. God, would you remind us of our history with you, Jesus? Would you remind us of your faithfulness and your goodness? Would you remind us that the fires that we've been through, that you've walked us through, God, that nothing in our future can ever stop us from what you've called us to do, that we can step out in obedience because we trust you. And we trust you because we've seen your face, God. We've seen your love that is unrelenting. We've seen your passion that does not stop. God, we've seen your holy jealousy for our heart. And God, like I was when I was 17, I saw and I heard your voice for the very first time. God, I pray right now, if there's anyone in this room that has never heard your voice or never felt the love of the Father, that right now, in the name of Jesus, that they would feel the Father's love for the very first time. That they would feel the warm embrace of your presence, God. That they would feel the security knowing that they will be okay. That they can walk through the fire, God because you're right beside them. So Jesus, let us see your face today. Come on, can we stand and just for a few more moments, can we worship and can we just seek him? Come on, can we just close our eyes, lift our hands up to the Father and just press into his presence right now?